0: You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your
1: podcasts from. Basketball season is winding down, so you better get on the action at DraftKings quick. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when you use the code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is really easy. All you can do is pick your lineup, stay under the cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. If baseball is more your thing, you might have missed out on season-long fantasy, but now is still the time to get in on the daily fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. With DraftKings, payday comes every day, so what are you waiting for? Hit the app now. Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot and millions of dollars in total prizes. That code is THPN. And you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. See DraftKings.com for details.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the In the Dome
2: podcast.
0: Okay, two games to break down. One against Toronto, the best team in the league still.
1: Division for sure. They're not the, Who's the best team in the league right now? I think it's Carolina, isn't it? No, it's got to be Colorado. They've been ro- Yeah, it's Colorado, by God. I pretty they've been rolling. Holy crap. Okay, if you had to guess what Colorado's record is right now, what would you guess? Just how many wins do you think they have? Well, I'm look wow.
0: I'm looking right at it. They're 39-9 and 4. Jeez. No surprise, no surprise they're followed directly by the Vegas Golden Knights with 29-11 and 2. Crazy, man. Carolina 28-10 and 4. Could you imagine having like a 30 to 10 record? Could you imagine winning 3 more than 3? Times as many games as you lost.
1: What's shocking to me is I'm Washington is fifth in the league. What they're, they're always just like they're always sneaky good, dude. I had no idea they were that good this year. I had no clue. It's amazing what so, happens yeah. when you make additions to your roster. Eh?
0: It's amazing when you actually go and first off identify how would how ascertain assess what's wrong with your team and. You know where you need to get better, and then
1: going out and
0: addressing—it's amazing what
3: happens. <laughs>
1: like I'm looking at the top ten teams in the league right now, and all of them have made pretty major uh, roster moves over the past three or four years. So interesting how that works, eh?
0: Interesting. Who would have thunk it, eh? <laughs> Not me. So the the Maple Leafs are actually tied for second place. There's it's a six-way no five-way tie for second place currently. So. The Maple Leafs are a good team and we already know that. It's funny because we've what we beat them three times now this year. Is it the third time? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, third time. And out of the three times we beat them, I think this was the first time we actually outplayed them. Oh, for sure. Was it not? Yeah. Let's let's start with this. Let's start with the game stats. You, do, you posted this, deserved to win a meter after the game. I'm not sure if you have the game stats in front of you, but I have some here. Yeah, I got them. The Flames deserve to win that game almost 60% of the time, 58.5% of the time you win that game. Shot attempts at five on five. 46 to 40 for Calgary. Usually against Toronto, it's completely the other way. High danger chances. Toronto did have more, 10 to 7. Usually, there's a bigger discrepancy there. But the power play comes through, Markstrom makes an unbelievable save on Marner. What did you see? And and I guess also analytically speaking, what did you pull away from this game against the Leafs?
1: Well, the fact that the Flames, because again, the, the, the Leafs did get, what, 11 total high-danger chances in the game and then I think 10 at 5-on-5. Five five. But most of them were in the first period. Um, so I think that was the most important thing was after the first period, the flames kind of shut it. Were able to shut it down. They allowed five high danger scoring chances in, in the first period. You escaped that with some good goaltending. You only allow five for the rest of the game at five on five. That was the key that they didn't let it get out of control. They got outplayed a little bit in the first and then reeled it right back in. That was the biggest thing for me is they, because how many times we've we seen it this year, one bad period sinks them. We've even seen a game like that against yeah. the Leafs pre- previous this year where they had one bad period and it's, it's cost them the game. So it to helps me,
0: when you score first. Yeah. Right. Like this is not your, your 18, 19 group anymore. We're going to be coming back. These guys, the game plan now is to get ahead of the ahead of the eight ball. Right. Yeah, totally. I mean, you texted me this, this week. I I don't know if it was the Leafs game or the the Habs game, but. You, you texted
1: me saying, wow, it's actually not terrifying playing with the lead anymore. Well, how much different did you feel like last night, especially with <laughs> the new look Daryl Sutter system playing with the lead in the third period? Like how much different does the team look? <laughs> so you go up, you go
0: up again last night against Montreal two nothing. I'm pretty certain we're undefeated now under Daryl Sutter when we go up two nothing.
1: Well, and you know what? Sutter hit this on, he, he nailed this. He said uh, his quote was something along the lines of, it's not that these guys don't know how to play through adversity or something. It
0: was like confidence. confidence.
1: Yeah, confidence. That's right. They, it's not that they don't have confidence. It's that they can't play to the pace of other teams. Like bang on dude. Cause I mean, we've been referencing that too, is cause like, all you ever heard under ward or whatever you hear this kind of from the media is like, Oh, they don't respond well to adversity. They don't respond well when things go wrong. It's like, I don't think so. Just they don't know what to do or how to play when things go wrong. I don't think it's a. I, I don't think it's a confidence thing. And neither does Daryl because I mean, what have you taken away from these last two games? They've had the lead in the third period and they haven't like panicked or freaked out or let Austin Matthews or any of these, the players on the halves go wild and just like, Oh, we're collapsing to the net. Holy shit. Come on down. We're gonna hold on for our dear it, lives and maybe squeak yep. out a win. It's like no, they shut it down and they win.
0: And not only are you, you know, like under Jeff Ward, okay, like the, you know, the the picture you're just painting, right? Of come on down. All we're doing now is we're gonna collapse and defend. That's it for the rest of the game. We got this little lead. We're hanging on for dear life. So not only are they able to shut it down defensively, but Throughout all these games, you're seeing lots of sustained ozone time still. The four checks working still late in the game. Like, good luck scoring on the Calgary Flames from your own end. So that's been one of the other biggest differences too, It's just like, under Ward, and we said this time and time again, that's why it was frustrating, painful, terrible, terrifying, to play with a one goal lead. I I put out a poll mid-season when it just seemed like as soon as he got a one goal lead, didn't didn't matter when it was in the game, first period, second period, third period, just sit back. Like they would never keep pressing unless they just had that kind of magical, oh, we're going to score a few string of goals here together. And then we'll sit back after that. So that's totally changed under Sutter. Um, I got, I don't know if you listened to his post game after the Leafs, but like you were just saying, how many times, Do we hear X, Y, Z under Ward versus the way Sutter describes things completely? So Danny Austin asked him about the Toronto Maple Leafs game after the fact, right? Big game in the standings, you know, yada, 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 you're in Toronto. You know, do you want the players to really harness that emotion and use that emotion in the game? And Daryl says, listen, That's all we heard under Ward, was it not? Yeah. And so Daryl says you win games by having good structure. Don't win by anything else. And it's just like, dude, the amount of times that we had to sit through that bullshit. And it was Janny Austin, you know, back then too. Him and Jeff Ward, you know, playing, you know, lobbing. (laughs) Lobbing lobbing the old softballs up and then bang. They I mean, were lobbing it back and forth on the tennis court, just like, come
3: on, harness the emotion. No. You win by playing with structure. You don't win by having anything else. And I mean, we were saying that
0: too, right? So it's like the structure is the foundation. Any emotion you add on top of that is bonus. But you're not winning games with emotion without structure. Yeah, exactly. That's what we saw under Jeff. Ward. That's what we saw under Jeff Ward. That's what drove this fan base
1: to Bonkers. the world. Of-
3: yeah but yeah
1: and man like it's kind of frustrating i don't know i've really enjoyed the last few games last three games they've been playing well but where i'm at is like i'm just like more so frustrated that this coaching change didn't happen earlier because it's like God, if they had made it earlier we might still have a chance man or if this was an 82 game schedule they would be in it for sure it's just really frustrating because this is a process I can trust because it's an actual process, you know? Yep. You can fall back on the structure. You can't, you don't have to fall back on, like, oh, I better be emotionally engaged on this next shift while Austin Matthews flying through the neutral zone and I'm backing up towards Markstrom and just hope he doesn't bury one. So this is a process I can trust.
3: Yeah, 100%. Even after the Montreal game. Sutter was asked about,
0: you know, the whole. Well, let's here. Let, let's let's go back to what you were talking about first. We'll we'll go because this this came up um, right after the Leafs game when Sutter was asked about um, the confidence factor, right? Because what Sutter's saying is that look, everybody when when you, when the scoring kind of dries up, everybody looks to oh, it's confidence, it's confidence, and so what he's saying is that um it's not he says this has nothing to do with confidence it's being able to compete and play the game the way the game's playing now right and he's really emphasizing this whole pace thing like you were mentioned he even said it right it's it's not so much that they don't not weren't playing with confidence it's that there's there's a pace that the league plays at now that they were not paying at even coming in in his first in his first three days before they had to play their first game under Daryl, that's what he stressed: pace, pace, pace. In the practice, the team absorbed that message, took that message into the first three games under Daryl, went three zero. Daryl even mentioned after last night's game, he had three practices when he first came in. They won three in a row, and then they didn't have much practice time there in between until Vancouver has their, their uh, whole struggles with the, with the COVID situation. You get some extra days off. And then he said, leading up to the Toronto game, you had another three days off, another three straight practices. Or what did he emphasize? Pace, pace, pace. So he's saying the scoring thing has nothing to do with confidence, right? It's all about this pace. And what he's saying, the reason why it's so important is that his, his his quote "League changes, the league changes and the style of game changes. and you have to compete the, the way the game is playing now. How refreshing is that to hear from a guy that is apparently washed up too old, the game's passed him by. This guy understands there's an evolution and the game's always changing. Sounds to me like he has a pretty good beat on where the game's at today.
1: Well, and I mean we'll get to the Montreal game in detail and finish up on the Toronto game. But I mean, even that little, they, they show they show him talking to Lindholm and Johnny on the bench last night. It's like, do you know how refreshing that is to see like active coaching happening? You're up four to one in a game with like a minute left. And the coach is talking to your two best players, like instructing them very clearly on like what they did wrong on a play or something to that, what it was, what it looked like. Like, holy shit is, it's just, man, what a difference it makes, eh? So, and I mean, and again, the practice thing, right? Like, do you think they spent those three days fucking around with music right. in practice? Or were they working on playing fast, working on the breakout, working on the power play, working on moving the puck?
0: Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he was asked about the team structure after the Habs game. And this is what I love about Daryl. Like, when Jeff Ward, if, if Jeff Ward was on a three-game winning streak, He'd be trying to suck his own dick in front of the, the media, like you know it. You saw it. You saw it early on in the season, when apparently the seasons was turned around.
1: Jeff, right? would you say your seasons turned around? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I would. <laughs> yeah, you just gotta keep it in perspective now.
3: <laughs> but Daryl says the structure, in my opinion, to be honest, was pretty spotty. Right? Says they need to be able to fault onto your structure when when you're playing a back-to-back
0: game like you were against the Habs. um, He even said the game could have went either way, in his opinion. And it could have. It was hanging in the balance there for probably 20, 25 minutes.
1: Yeah, and I mean, there was a crossbar in the first two. Yeah, if if Montreal gets the tying goal, who knows where the game goes.
0: But what he's emphasizing
3: is that the structure that they've been working on in practice – when the fuck else are you supposed to do it? That need, they need to be able to fall back to that if if it becomes, you know,
0: you become a mentally fatigued, physically fatigued on these back to back games. And that's what he's saying is that your structure never leaves you, and that is, I mean, that come on, we were harping on that big time,
3: under war, just like dude, the no one these guys couldn't win. Yeah, there was no structure. And I think that's the biggest difference
0: we're seeing with Daryl and Ward. It's just really unfortunate. Daryl had to come in in the middle of it. It was nice that he got those three games, those three practice days before, you know, starting this whole thing. But the amount of games these guys are playing with the shortened schedule, it's not like a regular season where he has as much time to work on it. But, I mean, you brought up that structure thing, so I just wanted to bring that up.
1: No, totally. And it's a complete 180. Like you said, structure is the foundation. The emotion maybe takes you to the next level, but like the fact that we've been putting up with this emotion bullshit for a a year and a half is just beyond ridiculous. So the last two points
0: I wanted to make on, on, you know, post game comments with Sutter, because he said this today, today is the off day, the game after the day, after the game in Montreal and it's funny, man. Like, I listen I listen to his answers to all these questions he gets from media. And I don't know about you, but I take some serious satisfaction when he makes them sound like idiots.
1: Which he does quite often.
0: Even Eric Francis, he handles him quite nicely too. Eh? Yeah,
1: it's good. It's really good.
0: But he's getting asked about the structure and whatnot, and you know the defensive game, how it's apparently been cleaned up. And so, yeah, he says, yeah, we've been stressing this for about a month now that the D need to be more active and they need to be more active in the ozone. Ooh, yes. Um, and so when he was being asked about geo and, you know, contributions from geo and Noah and he's like, you can only implement it in practice. And then you get a chance to reinforce it on video, but it's been taking a month. Right. And now we're starting to see some dividends play back from
1: well, and that's, that's been a huge issue with the offense. I know we were pointing that out earlier in the season was like, there's no offense from the defense. How many goals have like, you can think of four, like three in the last game in Val Mackie, Hannafin, Geo. Um, I mean, Mike Stone's got a goal. Like it's, it's, a, it's a huge part of what made this team successful in the eighteen-nineteen season, which made the offense come alive. Just tons of offense from the back end. Yeah.
0: And. How refreshing is it to actually see defensemen intentionally starting to skate the puck out of the zone again? (laughs) That would, to me was the most infuriating thing of, of it all under Ward. Yeah. was every single and Verstique called this out perfectly,
3: right?
4: Totally. He
0: articulated it in a way that just made plain sense to the idiots on the fan, even. Which is instead under Ward, when you get the puck at your own end, all right, let's stand behind the net here. All right. Okay, there the other team's changing. Okay. Let's uh, oh, we're changing. Okay, let's hold on to the puck here. Oh, here's my D partner. Let's do a couple of little D D's. Or you don't make sure you don't move though. I won't move if you don't move. Just <laughs> back it back. And then as soon as the, the forwards get set up in these just like stationary spots, it's like, okay, let's try and get a pass through that guy so he can tip it behind the D man. Like no pace, zero pace. And for us, it was like, okay, you look at eighteen nineteen, and maybe that style of play isn't perfect. There's a lot of good things that we saw. But that was the biggest difference. We were playing with serious pace in eighteen nineteen. We were generating tons of speed through the neutral zone, carrying the puck and generating chances off the rush. That's all due to pace. That's one thing that Bill Peters totally understood, at least in the first season. So, refreshing to see that again, as well as, look, last night, the Montreal Canadiens game, these guys are carrying the puck in quite a lot, and what I'm noticing now is their first, you know, week or two under Sutter, and part of this is probably just, you know, residual from Jeff Ward, and part of it is just, it's too new for Sutter to really implement change, but you are seeing them dumping it in from everywhere. Like as well, soon as. They, yeah.
1: Every time Gaudreau got it too, he just fired it in.
0: As soon as they passed the red line, it's like, they didn't even care. Just dump it in. And I don't think that that was the message necessarily. Daryl, maybe it was to begin with, but you can see that message is starting to shift now because these guys are starting to carry the puck in way more. And like we were talking about, I think the last episode or one the one before, they're only dumping it in when that's kind of like the last option. Like if, if nothing can be generated off the rush now, we'll now we'll throw it in deep.
1: Yeah, totally. And I mean, the other, the other um, adjustment I've noticed, and which is trademark Daryl Sutter hockey is holding the ozone D are active in pin they're pinching, right? Like they are holding the zone. They're not backing off. They're not just, backing off because there's always support from from the third forward there to cover the pinch so not only you're holding the zone but you're not getting burned on two on ones the other way i mean a couple simple changes and you're getting a lot more offense from your d you're getting a lot more sustained zone time and it's leading to you know better results and i mean the other thing is too like like we were saying a couple of weeks ago, when they were going through that absolute shit streak, it's like they weren't that bad. Like they were riding some of the worst save percentage and shooting percentage luck yep. in the league through that ten game stretch where they lost eight of ten or whatever it was. So now it's getting back to normal a little bit. It's just again, if if this was a normal season, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be looking as bad. You wouldn't be so far behind. So we're oh, we're, we're seeing yeah. the changes a month in alright.
0: And too bad it's not an extended season. You would definitely have time to write this ship. No, totally. I think you know, like you said, the, maybe this—the biggest change as a whole has just been the, how the defense right are playing. They're like you said, standing at the blue line, the defensive zone coverage has been so much better in the last five games, has it not?
1: Oh, totally. Well, that's that's what I was saying. It was like one of the keys to beating the Leafs is like, okay you gave up 10 high danger chances but you didn't give up 600 million all of them to Austin Matthews right in the slot right like how many chances did, grade A chances did Matthews have in that game i don't even know if he had one yep so like that's <laughs> what a difference that makes you know a huge difference
3: so what i think we're starting to see is what Sutter is starting to implement is
0: starting to take some effect, um, and he even alluded to it in terms of you know the whole practice time and that's you know when you can incorporate it. So they had an off day today, but I don't I don't think they practiced. It sounded like they were going over going over a video, but man, it would just be so great if this team had more time to practice because it's a direct result to, to result it's a direct translation to results on the ice when they've had that practice time i just wish they could have more of it you know like we mentioned it would be sweet if he actually had a training camp to put these guys through but so that's going to be the thing to watch right because they're in a tricky spot they're trying to they are trying to continue to generate and build on the fly really throughout the season in the midst yeah. of this jam-packed schedule so we'll see how how it uh how they continue to progress. I mean, did we have any three-game winning streaks under Ward this year?
1: Um, I don't think we did. We maybe be one at the beginning. Three, I don't think so. Boy, it's been a weird season. It feels like those first few games were 10 million years ago, man.
0: It has been a weird season. A lot of ups and downs. I was thinking about this earlier. We've gone through pretty much – we've experienced almost everything this season, a little bit of everything, except
3: – for a long winning streak, like a nine-game, a ten-game winning streak, um, if they
0: want to make the playoffs, that's what it's going to take. If they even want to have a chance at making the playoffs, I mean, we were just looking at, this, at the standings. We're not going to spend too much time on this,
3: right? Unless they win another game or two here, but <laughs> they're closing the they're sl- they're closing that gap.
1: Well, it's ridiculous because the Flames have more wins than the Canadians do, but the Canadians have nine loser points. <clears throat> the Flames are currently 19, 21, and three. The Habs are 18, 13, and nine. Stupid loser points. So the 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 three games in hands the Canadian have... I keep saying this to people because people are like, oh, we could do it. It's like, okay, if they win... The next like two or three games i will be m-
3: intrigued i'm not there yet i'm not there yet <laughs> their next team is against montreal yeah friday today or tonight if i know
0: when this releases probably friday but it's early start <laughs> A must win obviously they're all must wins
3: yeah but if you if you beat montreal back to back then you're three points back no you're two points back
1: yeah on montreal
0: right currently you're four points back
1: you'd be two points back they would still have three games in hand but you play them three more times over the next week and a half so if If you beat them tomorrow, you're
0: actually in a very interesting position. We were just looking at the comparison and schedule. I don't even want to look at who the Flames opponents are because apparently it means dick all anyways. But the Montreal Canadiens have a pretty tough schedule. They play the Leafs five more times.
1: They have by far a way tougher schedule. Like you said, they play the Leafs, they play the Oilers, they play the Jets. We're done with the Leafs completely which it's funny. We, that's the team we've actually matched up the best against. It's a we stupid. Actually,
0: well, the team we've actually matched up the best against
1: is Montreal. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, like, listen, if there was ever a time, and I don't want to jinx it, and I'm not trying to get ahead of myself, because like I said, I'm not in yet. I'm like enjoying watching them play well. I'm hoping they win tomorrow night. But if they lose tomorrow night, it's like back to square one, right? It's like, yeah, we're way out of it. But if there was ever a time, if there was ever a time, the Flames play Montreal tomorrow, or today, if you're listening to this today, which you, will, which you are, they play Ottawa, and they play the Vancouver Canucks, who I don't know if you know, they've been off for three years. Then they play Montreal three times in a row. This is the season, these next six games. This is the season. You could, well, yeah. if you win five of those, you could reel this Absolute horror show of a year back.
3: Somehow, some way, there's actually an opportunity here. Somehow, some way. I mean, you just lost eight out of nine. And then you win three in
0: a row. You gotta keep it going, man. Like, and here's the thing. Here's the encouraging part about it. Even amidst that eight out of nine game losings, losing streak we had. Like you just mentioned, they weren't sucking. It was terrible goaltending and terrible shooting percentage, inability to finish, right? That was the difference maker. Other than that, their underlyings are actually pretty solid. And you know they've been slowly building and building and building. The other thing, too, that I can't help but think about is if this all comes down to pace and what Sutter is really stressing, you know, staying mentally active and awake and mentally tough late in games, because he's, he's mentioned it a few times, this team has just sucked at it. He doesn't know if it was a conditioning thing or, you know, proper goal setting or whatever it was.
3: Bad coaching is what I chalk it up to. But they've took a decent amount of the season off, have they not? I mean, they they should
0: have some juice in the tank for these final 13 games, is all I'm saying. Somebody even said, like, okay, well, what what if the Flames magically make it back into the playoffs? And the answer to that question is, then they are the hottest team in the National Hockey League rolling into the playoffs that's the only way they can make it in.
3: We saw Colorado do it two years ago. So there's definitely a little opportunity here that's been created for them. And
0: like you said, if they can just even like, if they can win three to the next five, they're probably gonna continue that opportunity rolling into the next little mini series with, with Montreal. So we're not getting too excited, like you said, I can't do that to myself again right now. I just can't.
1: Well, and the fact that it is like, again, if they lose tomorrow, like I would say lights out, right? Like, cause that's how, that's how precarious it is. Cause everyone's like, Oh, we could do it again. If you lose one, like if you lose tomorrow, like I, not that it would make a difference. If you lose two of these five to Montreal, it's not happening unless Montreal completely falls apart. Your hopes are resting on Montreal completely and utterly falling apart
3: that's that's where your hope lies in and montreal is if you're looking at their season they're in a make or break situation here because if they don't win they're kind of in a similar situation because i think what you just mentioned them potentially
0: falling apart that could happen.
1: Oh, it certainly could. Again, you look at their like, schedule, you look at their injury issues right now, you look at how they've been playing.
3: It certainly, is not with it's certainly in the realm of possibility. Yeah, because what was what have they lost four to five or something like
1: that? In their last 10, they've gone like four and six or something. They're five and five in their have... last 10. Um, yeah, five, five and five in their last 10. I don't know about their last four.
0: Because I think they lost three in a row before they beat the, the Leafs. Yeah, they lost three in a row before they beat the Leafs. Then they lost to us. So they've lost four of their last five. So they're not playing great right now. Um, they're a good team. I mean, we saw it last night. But I think the most encouraging thing, if you're looking at the head-to-head matchup against
3: Montreal, is we fucking dominated plenty. Last night against Montreal. The expected goal share. Flames. Flames seven, owned it last night. Over 70% of the expected goal share. 13 to danger f- with.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. 13 to 4. It. 13 to 4 were the high danger chances for the Flames at 5 on 5. Pure and utter domination. Scoring chances were 20 to 21. Shot attempts 61 to 56. They even had the, the refs in their pockets last night. Oh, that was bad. Although Rasis and- Anderson was... Uh, I guess we're just going to have to kill off every every penalty we take is just going to be some dumb shit from Rastis Anderson. Eh? Well, he's taken eight straight minutes in a row.
3: <laughs> what a loser. Seriously, fuck. So... I don't know, to me, especially coming off a back-to-back,
0: that's encouraging because we've already seen some good results against
3: Montreal under Sutter. And we saw it again last night. To me, this will be a really telling game,
0: this game two, against Montreal on Friday, 4 p.m.
3: Because I think you're going to see one of two things. Either they continue to, you know, put the pedal to the metal.
0: And I'm not saying that guarantees them a win. I sure like their chances
3: when they dominate Montreal 5 on 5 Doesn't mean you're going to win every game. But I sure like their chances. Or you're going to see, I don't know, what else are you going to see?
0: I, I think the word the wordness is almost out of them. Because even in those games, they they struggled under Sutter. They weren't out of it in terms of, you know, five on five stats. Like we said, it was yeah. like goaltending and like maybe the other thing you see is Markstrom does get tired, right?
1: Well, that would be my one worry, right? Is like, okay, well, when do you when do you play Doming? Because well, if, again, if they, they yeah. played they played really well the last last night, but I mean the night prior in Toronto. That's still, and again, you don't have to play the Leafs again, but I mean, the Jets and the Oilers, you still have to play them. And they can, they have a lot of skill up front. Markstrom had to make an insane save off Mitch Marner in that Leafs game. So he's still going to have to be a huge factor against these highly skilled teams. So that's my one concern now that Riddick's gone. Yeah. It's like, when, when do you dare play Louis DeMaine?
3: Well, and... And I mean,
1: I think you have to at at least like maybe once or twice. Don't you?
0: I don't know, man. Like that's, (laughs) that's why I brought this up. Like it sounds like Sutter by the sounds of it is fully prepared to play him for the next 13 games,
1: which like straight up, I'm totally fine with like, and I know Markstrom has a bit of a rep for struggling when he gets tired. And we've seen that already this season, but I'm looking at it right now. The flames only have one back to back left in their schedule. Do they? Do they even have a back-to-back left? Okay, April. Yeah, they have one back-to-back left. It's next weekend against Montreal. That's the only back-to-back. So, theoretically, you could totally roll Markstrom out every single night from here on out. No, they have two back-to-backs if the Vancouver games at the end of the season aren't rescheduled, because that would be my only caveat. So, they have a back-to-back next weekend, 23rd and 24th against Montreal. Then they only play two games that next week. And then their next back-to-back wouldn't be until the 15th and 16th of May if those games remain against the Canucks. So, yeah, maybe it is. Maybe you just ride Markstrom, man. Why not? I mean, hey, what other option? Do you, you don't really have, have an option. You have no option. You cannot put – you would be better off – and unless Markstrom is like, hey, I'm going to get hurt or something, it would be better off playing Markstrom at like 10% than you would be Louis Domingue at 100%. Like, seriously. When was the last time he saw NHL action? Louis Domingue stinks. Great guy, it sounds like. But, I mean, the guy probably shouldn't be in the league. I'm going to pull up his stats right now. The only thing I remember of is from being in the bubble. Maybe he's not that bad. I mean, his. <laughs> His last game was with the Canucks. He's played one game last season, so letting four goals. Yeah. you might need to play him once or twice. Well why such you'd take it game by game, right? But I would say good... I would say until you're out of it, Markstrom's starting. I mean, the good news is
0: Markstrom's back.
1: Yeah, totally. He's been very good the last few games.
0: That that save on Marner in game one against wow. the Leafs. And then he was just dialed in against the Habs. You know, he didn't have to make any unreal saves, but you could tell.
1: He's yeah, he was, right he was Yeah, dialed in like he was in the first, like, 10 games where it's like you were so confident that he wasn't just going to let a stinker in.
0: And I mean, they he was asked about it too. And, of course, he's going to say it because what else are you going to say? But, yeah, you know, he's pretty much saying he's comfortable having to play the rest of the games. But <laughs> the way he said it, he's kind of like, wants wants to but like you said you said I don't know I think you gotta be really careful with it because if he is your only chance you gotta really you have to really go game by game
1: well yeah and you know what it is gonna be game by game from here on out it's gonna be game by game for the team for Daryl for Marsham, for us like again I know everybody's getting caught up in like they could do it I mean we just gotta go game by game here that's pretty much where I'm at I'm not looking Too far forward at all it's just like hey you have to beat the canadians tomorrow that's the only thing that's going through my brain and i'm not i'm like yeah this the only way you can move forward is like okay what do we have to do in the next game so i'm sure that's the mindset of markstrom and on and daryl as well well and you
0: know you're going with markstrom for sure next game
1: absolutely
0: yeah Yeah. but the other interesting thing you got to think about is there, something had to have shifted in, in Jacob Markstrom with the Riddick trade, because Jacob Markstrom came in this season. David Riddick was already, you know, the starter from last season. Obviously, he came comes in to take the starting role away. But there's still Riddick, the guy, right? The guys love him, the fans love him. Now that he's gone, this is 100% completely Jacob Markstrom's team now, because. Early on in the season, if he's struggling or whatever, there might be something in the back of his head just to kill or whatever. Just to let Riddick take over for a game or two. Yeah. Right? But he knows. It's him. It's ride or die. It's Jacob Markstrom, or we'll see you next season. So you got to think something shifts in him also. I'm I'm kind of curious. Um, You know, he rolls with that. And he was even asked about you know, seeing a lot of shots perimeter versus seeing way less shots. And he said, yeah, I mean, he's, he, he definitely notices he plays well when he's faces a lot of shots. He says he, he likes facing up to 35, 40 yeah. shots, which is
1: what Woodley told us in the summer too.
0: Yeah. But it almost seems like he, that he needs to be good under a new style of system where he's not going to be getting facing that amount of shot. All the time. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, to your point about him being the guy, like he was perfectly comfortable being Vancouver's 100% slam dunk MVP last year. So yeah. Ride or die, baby ride or die. All right. Um,
0: this is all big picture stuff. We're going to get into the details of the games to close it out. But last thing I wanted to mention about Sutter, because he was asked about Sean Monaghan with the PK time. Right. and Sutter just said, Sean Monaghan is a guy, we've heard this a few times now, Sean Monaghan is a guy that's done everything I've asked him to do. And he's done it well, right? In terms of maybe he obviously didn't ask him to score a bunch of goals. because. <laughs> <laughs> but Daryl Sutter has, act, and I, you know, this is interesting, right?
3: Because you pointed this out. I think even, um, you know, Justin Seaver at Central pointed this out. You have
0: Johnny Goudreau gets called out in his 500th game. Then he gets praised, and he's been awesome. He's been literally awesome. Since Daryl Sutter did that, Johnny Goudreau has been awesome.
3: Mark Giordano didn't get called out, right? <laughs> Sean Monahan didn't get called out. So, But look how
0: well Mark Giordano's been playing in the last – three games
3: maybe five look how good sean monahan has been the last couple of games with this new line so it's really interesting to see
0: what's going on in sutter's mind of like hey he's pushing all the right buttons right it's like now Sean monahan in this situation right now currently he's not someone i'm going to publicly put down right obviously he knew it work with johnny but the whole thing with Sean Monaghan is like, he, he straight up said it's my belief that when you players, you're telling him and asking them to do, then you reward them. You give them a carrot. So he, the, the penalty kill is just that for Sean Monahan. So I don't really interesting to see this because obviously it's unprecedented for him in his career to be p- killing penalties, but fuck he's been good. He's been good. good. He's only been on the ice for one goal against, I thought and it was honest- zero. I had
1: to go look. And honestly,
0: I just don't see how that doesn't help his entire game.
1: Well, and listen, like the, Daryl said something else about Monaghan. He was, he was talking about how, I, I, I'm not sure what context he was saying this in, but he was saying he wants Monaghan specifically and guys like Monaghan to know that they can contribute in other aspects of the game and contribute to winning, even if they're not scoring goals. Right. Yeah. And I think that's really important for guys like Monaghan. Right. Cause well, Especially if you're
0: going to have an honest assessment of what you got. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, Daryl's said this how many times now, right? He even said it again. It's like, we don't have the firepower to go toe-to-toe with teams. We got to be a tight-checking team.
1: And, I mean, like, doesn't that do wonders for a guy like Sean Monaghan? And, and, I mean, on a team who, like, you know, has been known to get frustrated and known to deal with some confidence issues. but Monahan, can have a game where he, you know, maybe he doesn't score a goal. But he was killing penalties and he, you know, had a really good defensive zone shift. I'm sure that's, I'm sure he's feeling a lot better about himself when he well, hears just, stuff like that.
0: And there's some pressure taken off of him too, right? You take Johnny yeah. off, off his line. There's definitely a little less pressure to perform. And he's, he's been good with that second line. Let's, let's go there.
3: How have you liked Dubé, Manjipani, and Monaghan?
1: I have liked
3: them a ton. These new lines, and look, small sample size, but fuck. Very effective so far.
2: But they have tried everything. Blow it up.
3: Bench,
1: 13 and 23. Monaghan is a borderline NHL player right now. He's a fringe third liner.
0: I just don't see what other option you have than to sit Sean
3: Monahan in the press box.
1: Morons. Anyways, i really liked the lines. I, I, I did, I don't know. Like I, I thought the, 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 the second line could have been a bit more effective. Um, I think it was against, was it Montreal? I'm the games are blinging together. I thought do, I thought Dubé kind of does, has been doing what he normally does, which is kind of fade a bit toward the end of games. Um, I, I would maybe want to get Josh Levo a look with Manji upon and Monahan. But I mean, there's nothing to complain about about those top two lines. And I mean, that fourth line with Levo Ryan and um, Brett Ritchie, except Ritchie Derek Ryan sets him up beautifully in the slot last night. And it's like, he's never handled the puck before, but I mean, across the boards, the lines have been, have been working really well. Yeah. E pairings too. the shift. Switching Geo. Oh, dude, dude. I was going to say like, everybody's all over the Monahan Gaudreau splitting up the splitting up of Geo and Anderson has been monumentally more important. Like, holy shit. That has been way for me. That has been way more of a factor in the team's uh, little streak here than anything. Like that's what the team needed more than anything because boy, oh boy. Paying dividends. Big time. And
0: honestly, the last three games
3: since that shift, Rasmus Anderson has been slightly better in my opinion he's still been if, making
1: he's still been taking dumb penalties and making some dumb mistakes, but, but I mean
3: in,
0: in the defense event
1: yeah the dumb penalties are are fucking pissing me
0: off, I'll be honest, but
1: I'm developing a weird um specific like uh you know how everybody had T.J. Brody syndrome? A Player hate.
0: Yeah, I, I'm building it. It's growing with me.
1: I'm kind of building it for Rasmus Andersons. Like, every time he screws up, I'm like, there he is again. What yeah, a exactly.
0: dumbass. It's true, eh? Cut he might your actually, hair, you loser. He might actually have an excellent game, but you're only going to notice <laughs> the three mistakes now because, fuck, he's been so bad. And he should. He should cut his hair. Yeah, and he I mean, like dude. A, fucking looks like a clown now that he sucks. <laughs>
1: Hey, that hair looks great when you're good. You suck? You are like a fucking idiot. I mean, even the Michael Stone-Valimaki pairing has been solid the last few games. Really good stuff.
0: Dude. Michael Stone's been (laughs) awesome. This is the best, like you said, this is the best we've seen him in the Cogger family uniform.
1: Oh, totally, man. Maybe he
0: was just born for Sutter Hockey. I don't know.
1: Born for what? Daryl Sutter Hockey? Maybe that's what it is. Or maybe it's just the amount of time off. He's had two years off, so... I mean, I would still like to see Shillington get some time there, but I mean, I I love the new top lines. Like, I mean, Lindholm and goudreau they work. I mean, you saw their magic in overtime. I wonder if Monahan's feeling a little sad, being like that used to be me out there with Johnny, and uh, now it's not. But I mean, they work so well together. You know, uh, like it's just it's it's a no brainer that that is the top line of this team, right? Yep. And I mean, since they've been split up, Goudreau Goudreau has like what, four points?
0: The chem and the chemistry on top, just see it building each game, especially between, uh, and Johnny.
1: Yeah, I know. Like there's so many plays during the game where Goudreau will put a pass somewhere where 99% of the other guys on the team wouldn't receive it or know what to do with it. And Chuck just picks it up perfectly.
0: Yeah. And then he like makes a similar pass. Like, holy shit, man. This is once these click.
1: Yeah. These two
0: could just, just could just you know win us some games here.
1: Well, and you even saw the power play goal they scored against the Leafs for Lindholm one times it. Like I didn't even see the goddamn puck. It was yeah. just like bang, bang, boom in the net.
0: Maybe that was the problem all along. <laughs> it was Shawmont at good advantage there.
1: Well, and also Kachuk every time he gets in that position he usually tries to go between his goddamn legs. So yeah, it's
0: funny under Sutter how he doesn't do that anymore.
1: Funny, eh? No music, no shenanigans.
0: All right, let's get into some nitty-gritty details of the games here. So, Toronto, like I think you said this, that was a fun win, right? There's just those, you know, there's the handful of wins. Maybe it's closer to 10 or 12 a year. When you win them, they're just like, some wins are just kind of like, oh, nail bite or a ho-hum, you
3: whatever. That was a fun game. Yeah, the Milan Lucic playing his 1,000th career game.
0: And David Riddick playing his first game as a Leaf versus the Flames. Both in one night.
1: Incredible.
0: And then you actually outplay the Leafs for the majority of the game. It's back and forth. It's a tight game.
1: You don't trail. How nice is it not trailing? It's really fun. It makes watching games a lot less frustrating.
3: And then you go to overtime and Johnny Goudreau. Feels the show. Ooh, baby. Fuck. Fuck, that was nice.
1: That was a Johnny... A that was trivia. vintage Goudreau, bro.
0: I have a little trivia for you. All right. Coming back to Lucci future. All right. <clears throat> How many players all time... Oh, boy. ...have played 1,000 games in
1: the NHL? How many?
0: How many players all time? Because I think this is one of those things where fans don't necessarily gain an appreciation for how big playing a thousand games.
1: It's usually like, it's feels like there's like 20 guys every year. Right. It's like, Oh, it's this thousandth game. Oh man. That's a really tough question. If I had to guess, I would say it's, is it, it's definitely above 50. It's gotta be like, it's gotta be like a hundred, right? Yeah. 355. Okay. I was, I was thinking maybe it was a trick question. Three, but still dude,
0: 300 in the history of time in the history of the NHL. That's
1: it. And I get dude who, I don't know if Chucky said it or somebody said it. They're like for, for Lucic to do that with, with the way he plays is pretty incredible, right? It's true.
3: Yeah. So dude has some
1: hard miles.
0: He sets up the first goal and dude last year, if you take away Neal's, um, what was it? He led the league in the first 10. If
1: you take away Neal's first 10 games where he wrote a ridiculous shooting percentage playing on the top power play unit with Connor McDavid.
0: You take that away then. Cause I think if you include that, you have to give the slight edge to James Neal, just slight. And there can be arguments made either way, but last year, especially if you exclude playoffs, but. It's pretty even last season, right?
1: Well, through the, know, fir- through the first it. four or five months for sure, like really you kind of forget because he was so good down the stretch and in the playoffs and he's been good this year that he really did struggle those first, like what, two or three months? I mean, the dude even said, like remember when, when Bill Peters was still the coach, he was like, yeah, I straight up contemplated quitting. Yeah. He had a rough first few months, but if you did, if you take away that last
3: year and a half, you compare those two players this season? Not even fucking close. Lucic has actually been
1: good, dude. It's the weirdest thing that probably my t- the two of my most the two player acquisitions that I've been most pissed off about Brad living for have been come two of my most likable Flames in Lucic and Tanev. It's
3: really weird this season. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like you gotta em- you emphasize that because the reason why
0: you don't like it is because of the the future implementation implementations.
1: Well, I've always said this about Lucic I love the guy, but the contract is an absolute abomination. But he's been good yeah. this year. So
0: I mean he's still not playing up to his Was it, four mil or him? Five point two
1: five.
0: Five point two fives, you know, obviously he's not playing up to a five point two five, Well,
1: he got that third round pick.
3: True, which we'll get this year. Yes,
1: I think it's next year, isn't it?
3: Is it two thousand twenty-two? I think it is. Really? So
1: I mean, I really like. I it, it's kind of like okay. All context aside about his contract and shit, it's kind of cool because back in the day when he was on the Bruins in their heyday, like dude was a phenomenal player. Yeah, like an absolute force. Like I remember watching that uh Jerome McGinla, David Krejci Milan Lucic line unbelievable he was insane against the Canucks that year they won the cup 2011 dude was a beast and it's pretty it's pretty incredible that despite all of his limitations in terms of physical ability he's still putting t- putting some effective hockey together this season does this guy lose a fight dude what a monster is there Seriously. anybody who's even in his same in the North Division, who would be in his class? I don't know, man. I, I think don't... I told you.
0: I think I told you this before. Um, when I played junior, my first season, we actually I actually played against Milan Lucic in the BCHL. And my line mate, <laughs> I didn't know this at the time. I know this now. I didn't know this at the time, but Milan Lucic was like 15 or 16, and my line mate was 20, and he was jacked. Like, he, like, he's the guy who goes like, spend all his time in the gym, dude. And he was ripped. And he used to fight guys and didn't lose many fights. Whenever we whenever we played, uh, it was Kukulam that Lutich was on, those two went toe-to-toe. <laughs> My God, man. It, it, like, it would scare me. I'd be like, dude. I'd be like, holy shit. Because <laughs> it was like, man, yeah. just Like, yeah, it was, it was nuts. Dude. But I didn't know he was only, like, 15, 16, just this <laughs> monster. Fuck. And then he only, he didn't spend much time. That was at the bchl but then he went to the, the Vancouver Giants and did the same thing there and went right to the show. But
1: fuck, he's a beast. Pretty great career. I'm, 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 again, I've said this a million times. I'm very happy for him that he's, he's, he's found a home in Calgary, even though I don't like his contract. But dude, I can't help but love the guy. So set up a beauty goal
0: to Balamaki gets in a fight first period like hey he's going for the gordy how just needed that goal did you see him uh is in the second period when he just does the end end oh yeah i thought maybe he was gonna score i couldn't
1: believe it the guy's got wheels <laughs> dude's up and de- straight lines good he can pick up some speed bro when he gets it's going it must be the inertia effect eh? yeah totally
0: an object in motion that is yeah Anyways, like you mentioned, uh, Lindholm, the sick bump back actually actually wins or actually goes in, I should say. But it's funny because that was the power play you saw in the highlights later on in the night, where it's in between the whistles. I think it maybe was a commercial break and Dave's skating back from the bench to his net and Johnny and Lynn Holman and Chucky are just kind of like all at the hash marks, just like getting ready, like, you know, game planning. And Riddick just comes by
3: and bumps into him. Do you see that? Gotta love it. Fucking love it. And then so
0: Martian does the scorpion.
3: I'm telling you, man,
0: that's safe. Fuck. Unbelievable.
3: I didn't even think he
1: saved it at first because I was like, that must have missed or gone off the post or gone off something.
0: Exactly. That reminds me of Connor Hellebuck, dude, or uh, Vasilevsky, where it's just like these guys, that was a $6 million save right
1: there. If he's going to make saves like that, pay him all the money in the world. He is dialed in right now. I just hope he doesn't get fatigued. I hope he can keep it going for
0: another 13 games.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: So then you have a major point in the game four minutes. Four minutes. Rasmus Anderson takes another dumb penalty. Was a high sticks Joe Thornton. Like, what are you doing? Joe Thornton didn't even like push off him too too much and he just lost his balance. It's like, fuck.
1: Dude, Rasmus. How many
0: people? Look, both Toronto Maple Leafs and Montreal Canadiens power plays are struggling right now, but.
3: How many people literally thought you're getting out of that one?
1: Yeah, no, I thought there was no chance.
3: That that's a he- that's a hell of a kill, dude. We-
1: this is where we're at. We're Sean Monahan is killing penalties against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and we are not getting scored
3: on. That's <laughs> that's the Daryl Sutter effect right there, bro. That's insane. Johnny Gaudreau, absolutely. Oh, I've I got no words to, to describe. That was vintage Johnny
1: Guitar right there. Like, and there. I posted this afterwards.
0: We, I was on both Twitter and Instagram. And you saw like, what, 18 angles? My favorite angle, though, is the one from the corner behind the net. Because you can see the emphasis that Johnny sold his whole entire body like he was going and just cuts on a dime the other way. Unbelievable.
1: And, you know, Dave thought he was going five hole.
0: Dude, and Dave is usually lights out in, in breakaways. Totally. So just, it's like it's bread and butter.
1: I don't understand. So, Gudreau had a breakaway partial break against the Habs last night. and He doesn't fucking deke. It's like, dude, you're so good at deking. Why don't you deke? You literally score every time you deek. Just deke. Like, he's so good in tight, it's unbelievable. Dave even tried to poke check him, and he just missed. That was just. That was vintage control. I haven't been that pumped up about a goal in a while.
0: It is unreal. The only other um, thing to, to bring up from the Leafs game is Matthew Kachuk, snow showering, <laughs> Dave Riddick, and then Leafs fans absolutely
1: fit. Oh, my Lord. Fit. Dude, okay, Leafs fans are officially the worst, man. Like, it's official. They've surpassed the Oilers this season for the official most annoying.
0: Like, seriously? you don't realize that these guys are buds. Like they play together for four years. Like they're so self-absorbed. They've never seen a Matthew Kachuk, Dave Rich Hug after a game. They don't understand that that was completely just like Matthew Kachuk being a bud in this like snow showering and then Dave pretending he's
1: mad. Yeah. And like like, after, after the game, Dave is even like saying, yeah, he does that. He's a great player. Like what a joke, eh? These Leafs fans are just like, what
3: a piece of shit. Matthew Kachuk is such an asshole. He's such an unsportsman. Like, used to be banned. They're still not uh, as bad as Aaron, dude. Sorry. It's I
1: not- haven't. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had to deal with uh with an Oilers thing. So, but I mean that, that was hilarious. And th- that's why they're both friends. I guarantee that's why they're so close, is because they're both so hilarious
3: and fucking nuts and competitive. That's why they get along so well. Montreal will whip through this. And
1: Dave said, if you watch just one last thing, if you watch Dave's presser after the game, it was a little sad, but I mean, I love, I, he, he's stoked to be on a team that that has a chance to win though. The best quote was somebody asked him, what was the weirdest thing about playing against the Leafs? And Dave was like, in the first period, I got scared of a blue jersey. And then I remembered that I'm blue, too. It was fucking awesome.
3: Oh, man.
0: It's funny how, like, the even the Toronto media is like, well, oh, this guy seems like he's actually pretty kind of cool, eh?
1: Yeah, it's like, no shit. Hey,
0: just wait, You have no clue what you even have. Like, that's the thing. I mean, if you're living in Toronto, yeah. You have no clue oh, about anybody else because you're so self absorbed. Just
1: one last Dave quote. He's on, he Ryan Leslie uh, interviewed him on Instagram. If you haven't watched yes! it, go watch yes. it. It's so good. But he asked him about the Toronto media pressure, and Dave's like, I don't give a shit.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to bring up the
0: Francis thing,
1: dude. Oh, I was. But the first okay. thing that really got me is Francis. He's like, I don't give a shit. Literally, he's like, I don't give a shit, man. (laughs) So great. But then following up to that, because the question was about the pressure in Toronto and the media, but like all the media, Dave's like, I don't give a shit. And then he follows that up with. I talk to good media members like you, and I talk to the bad ones like someone else. And even Re- even Leslie knows, eh?
0: Oh, I wonder who that would be.
1: Everyone knows. Leslie Le- is
0: such a beauty, though. He's, he's got to be the best.
1: Leslie's great. Like, he has such good rapport with players, and he's, yeah, he's great, man.
0: All right, Montreal. So, Noah Hannafin gets us on the board first. Slapper from the point. Look, was I saying this on the podcast or just you? I can't remember.
1: No, you were saying it. You were saying this exact thing. is like, stop shooting at the goddamn crest.
0: Start
3: picking the top corners with the amount of shots this guy gets. You saw it last night. What kind of season is this guy having?
1: Offense from the defense, baby.
0: Listen, I have personally shit on Noah Hannafin quite a lot since starting this podcast.
1: It's been one of he our favorite been, pastimes.
0: He is slowly becoming my favorite D man right now.
1: Well, I mean, the selections kind of <laughs>
0: <laughs> not a lot to choose from. I'm <laughs> not great. We got old Gio. <laughs>
1: he's turning it around, man. No, he's been good this year for sure. And it's been the thing that I've been most impressed with is his defensive game has been so sound.
0: Well, I remember you were even picking him to, to, to make some strides this, this season before the season started. And I was like, no, no way.
1: <laughs> so
0: yeah. I mean, you if could, you look, if you, you look at it, it again, you call it again.
1: I'm right again. As, as rarely usual. I'll take the win on saying Hannafin was going to have a good season and take the L on saying Chris Tanov was going to be dog shit.
3: Yeah. So the, the Flames dominate
0: for a, a big majority of that game, 5-on-5 five five against Montreal. And it seems to me, and you saw this against the Leafs too, the 4-check is effective again. Because the first three games under Sutter that they win, you're like, whoa, this forecheck is good. Like, at times it's relentless. There's shades of 4 Because that was the biggest thing from 4 and the forecheck. check it was like, relentless, relentless, relentless. And it just breaks down the teams. And eventually the demons start, like, turn the puck over, you know, before there's even pressure because they know it's coming, right? So yeah. um, you're just starting to see a bit of that take shape again. Maybe that's the practice factor. Um, I think ultimately what you're seeing is they're just starting to execute what Daryl's been implementing. And I just hope that they can keep building on it. We touched on it.
1: Yeah, totally. And, and I mean, I missed the first period. So I had to rewatch it, but I mean, dude, they were great. They, and the thing, again, I love everything they're doing in the offensive zone, but what is most stand out to me is the, the defensive game, zero
3: high danger scoring chances allowed in the first period. Yeah. Not one. And, and like I said, D-men are
0: skating the puck out. There's speed through the neutral zone again. There's actually tape-to-tape passes. And guys aren't dumping it in as soon as they hit the red line. Like, there was a lot of
3: um, offensive zone carries into the zone last night against the Habs.
1: Yeah, totally. So that was a great first period.
0: The second goal, Gio's goal, man, that, that the first line, the top line, what a shift
1: unbelievable shift that's that's a top line shift right there
0: like i can get used to this man
1: yeah totally and i mean again that's why i think those guys work so well together you know like chuck's great four checker you, you know could draw Gaudreau and Lindholm's skill sets are it's just man those guys are starting to put it together
0: i can't like yeah they're gelling they're starting to gel yep was he yelling no he was gelling
1: gelling and, hey, crazy fact that just blew my mind. Geo's goal. Did you read this on the Flames Twitter? Geo's yeah. goal is his, he, his game-winning goal puts him atop the franchise lead for game-winning goals by a defenseman passing Al McInnes. What? That's wow. mind-blowing, dude. Wow. His 23rd game-winning goal eclipses Al McInnis'. For most among defensemen in franchise history. That is insane considering
3: how many goals Al McKinnis scored. Like that's that's insane. That's insane. That's not, that's that's good, man. That puts things into perspective, eh?
1: Right? Like if you look at McKinnonis' goal logs, like the dude was scoring 20 every single year. He had 103 points in nineteen ninety one. And geo has got more game goals than him. Dude, honestly, Gio's been a
0: lot better in the last five games.
1: Oh, 100%, dude.
0: Even, even put you know, defensively. Yeah. And look, he's playing with Tanev now, so I think that's that's helped boosted him. When well, again, I all...
1: that's, what I, that's what we keep saying. Sorry to cut you off. The The switch from him and Rasmus has been probably the most important adjustment Sutter's made in the lineup.
0: And I think there's also something else at play, too. The, the team as a whole is playing better positionally defensively in their own end. There's yeah. not as much breakdowns from the centermen, from the wingers. Everybody as a unit has been better. So maybe part of, you know, what we've seen, how how much Geo has struggled in his own end. Maybe part of that has, he's been a victim of that,
3: right?
1: Well, and I mean, he's been out there with Anderson too. It's just like he's oh, Anderson's man. making boneheaded plays every five minutes. So that definitely helps. But yeah, Gio, I mean, They're going to need him to continue to be good. I love the guy, even though we make fun of him a lot. He's been good. Yeah, Gio's been over 50% expected goals in his last four games. Great stuff. Yeah, he's... Keep it up, Gio. Keep it up, Gio.
0: Then you have uh, ex frame Flame Brett Kulak. Is that his... uh... Only breakaway ever in the NHL. I was
1: that was an unacceptable goal. <laughs> what the hell were they doing?
0: Well, like I don't know. I'm not going to say this was ras sanderson's fault, but again, I will. This comes back. That thing is like if you're already doing everything wrong, what are you doing? What happened there? I couldn't see a good angle of it.
1: I still am dumbfounded at how that happened.
0: Because there was another guy going to the bench. Was he going to change? And then people are like no don't where did grass jump off when he shouldn't like what happened because he didn't even have a stick in his hand
1: i literally cannot even break it down because i don't even know
3: man like what happened like honestly what like, what are you doing <laughs>
0: so Rass, you better figure your shit out man cut that weird hair. dude
1: cut your hair or something rasmus jeez, dude and I mean, not not a great play by Nordstrom either. They kind of got crisscrossed too. Um, but I mean, still, like I'm watching it right now, and like it's just it's unreal how this breakdown happens. Like like what is it like? <laughs> I'm sorry, Rastus. What are you doing, bro? Like oh my lord, he comes off the change, but he like he's he's skating up ice towards the center of the ice. Like what a terrible read by Rastus
3: Anderson. So the game is hanging in the balance, right? You don't know which way it's going to go. You're still up one
0: goal, but you know that if the Habs get the next goal, it could be, we've seen it how many times this season. So you're terrified to get, you know, to lose the lead.
1: And then Levo, Josh Levo. Oh, dude. Dude, and he was, he was buzzing all night. That line was great all night, specifically him and
0: Ryan. And specifically him, when he, him on that line, like he's yeah. generating, you can tell he's
1: generating chances five on five. How much today. better how much better is that line with Lebo as opposed to
3: with Bennett? I mean, we said it, it's an upgrade. It's a massive upgrade. But man, phew, that goal, just hard work, forces his way through there somehow manages to
0: get it to his back end and like, lets it go back like was oh, sick
1: dude. Well, that's why I like Levo so much and why I've been annoyed with how underutilized he's been this year. It's just because like, I mean, he does so many things. Well, he's a great possession player. He rarely is caught in his own zone defending. He's, he's good at moving the puck up the ice. He's got a great shot. He's a great four checker. Like what's not, he works his ass off. I just don't understand why they haven't utilized him more. You had him as a top
0: performer last night.
1: I did because he was so goddamn good.
0: 92.32 expected goals for. Unreal. Uh, percentage.
1: Unreal, man.
0: 90th percentile. Like, that's when you know you have a stellar game. Five scoring chances, seven shot attempts, one goal.
1: Yeah. On the fourth
0: line. Fourth goal. line minutes.
1: Exactly. Like, what did he play last night? Like, 12 minutes, 10 minutes, something like that?
0: Like, you're playing with Rich- Richie. He's generating more offense with Richie than Goudreau did. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, this has been my... This has been, like, play Josh Levo more, you know? Like, he gets what? How many minutes did he have last night? I'm just going to pull it up right now. The fuck is Josh Levo? Oh, yeah, he, he played 10 minutes last night. 10-39. Has a goal, seven shot attempts, five scoring chances. Isn't on the ice for, like, any scoring chances against. Great night from Levo.
3: And a huge, a huge goal. Massive Chris Tanab also in the top as far as game stats goes. Yeah, he was great, dude.
1: Noah Hannafin is up there. You know who I thought had a really good game actually was Valamacchi. Yep,
2: and Mark
1: and
0: Giordano. Stone
1: too. Mark Giordano, Yusuf Valamacchi
0: for your top five um players. This is this what what uh stat are we looking at here? Oh, you know, uh, that, that would be
1: game score.
0: Game score. Okay. Explain that real
2: quick.
1: Yeah. If you just go, if you, it's a metric device. Initially I think from uh, baseball and then it was in basketball. It's just like a single game productivity score. Um, it's mostly weighted on like goals, assists, points, but there's also other things like penalty differential um, play, just some play driving metrics in there. Um, so it's just kind of like a nice little concise uh, stat for like how a player performed. In a given game,
0: yeah, and four of your top five are D men you got Taniv, Hanifin, Geo, Levo, and Velamaki. So keep an eye out for that because, again, we touched on it. Sutter was asked about it. He said, Look, we've been trying to drive this home for a month now. So, yeah, keep an eye on it. See how, how
1: active this D is, especially in the ozone. Yeah, well, I mean, and another thing too is like. everyone's been so hyper-focused on the the issues up front this year, but I mean, the D has been a mess for most of the year outside of Tanev and Hannafin, like an absolute tire fire. So the fact that is getting, that's getting corrected and we're seeing way less defensive breakdowns and you're not allowed, you're not getting outchanced by ridiculous margins as much anymore. I mean, yeah, that's great stuff.
0: And then the Michael Stone Vellamacchie pairing was top in, as far as expected goals for you
1: were great, man. I mean, they're playing limited sheltered minutes, but that's all you can ask for, right?
0: Yeah. And stone man, like look, I don't mind it when a guy has a shoot first mentality. I really don't. There was one play where he definitely should have dished it off because he had a he had a wide open guy, but um man, every every opportunity he gets he's just like i'm gonna fucking hammer this thing as hard as i possibly can at the net
1: <laughs> he's gonna kill poor chuck one of these days but i mean that does that shoot first shoot everything mentality is a very daryl sutter characteristic so i'm not surprised to see daryl sutter liking michael stone so and i mean listen i've crushed this guy into oblivion he's been very good in the past four games I have no problem in the no problem with him in the lineup if he's gonna play like this.
3: Yeah. As of right now,
0: no problems with Michael in the lineup.
1: No, absolutely not. And Joachim Nordstrom, like I mean, I guess the, the the Nordstrom line kind of had a rough night last night. They were on the ice for the goal and weren't great, but I mean he's been okay too. So
0: I've liked that line as well. i have like so, all four lines. Yeah.
1: The one guy I'm still like I said earlier, Dubay. I'm from time to time, I like if that line's out there. I don't know i i love his speed i love his skill obviously but i do find he does tend to kind of fade towards the end of a game occasionally i wouldn't mind seeing josh levo get some time with monahan and manjapani from time to time
3: so monty ices it with the empty net goal good
0: to see him barry i, I thought maybe we were going to go the whole season without scoring empty net goal
1: holy shit
0: I mean, the last six times we've been, we've, we've missed the net. So,
1: listen, if Lindholm and Kachuk get that empty net goal against the Leafs last month, we're a great. point closer to the Habs right now.
0: Really three points back. Yeah. Regardless, you win three in a row. I like again the biggest thing for me last night is you dominated five on five. Yeah, like a great a great 5 5 team on the second half of a back-to-back, so. Yeah,
1: like, did the, uh, very, flame, very did the Flames look like the back, the team who had played the night before last night? No way, man. No. It no. looks awesome.
3: Exactly. So, okay, let's just, uh, we look at this. We have Montreal Friday,
0: day off, and then you're back at home against Ottawa. It sucks that you have to travel to, to Vancouver uh, midweek, but we'll see they might push that back. Actually, it would be sweet if they did.
1: Yeah, who for knows the flame, if for the Flames. They pushed back Vancouver's game to death. was it the one today or tomorrow. Whenever they were supposed to play Evanston, I think it was tonight. They're not playing it. They'll
0: probably play it. So will that be Vancouver's first game.
1: Yeah. Probably. May I I can't I don't have it up in front of me and I'm too lazy to look. I don't know if they pushed it at or it here. if you do.
0: As of right now, the Friday game for Vancouver has been postponed. Yeah. And then so far, still on the schedule, they go, they, they go Leafs on Saturday, Leafs on Monday, Calgary on Wednesday. So it'd be a third game back. Okay. I don't even think Elias Pedersen is back yet, do you?
1: Dude, they're like, their team is like, I don't even know how they're going to play. Yeah, right? They haven't even been practicing. They had 20. Yeah. Did they have 20 guys out?
0: Weird. Yeah, it's fuck, man. So,
1: what a weird situation, eh? Very weird. But again, like so, I, like we said, like this is the time right now. This could be a miracle. This could be for all the insane nonsense. And again, we're gonna go game by game here. So don't get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we still think like you're
0: saying this and they might just lose yeah. again. So exactly. And people
1: are like, Oh, all you gotta do is beat Montreal five times. It's like, okay, when's the last time they beat any team five times in a row? Like never they sure
0: they sure didn't do it against Ottawa.
1: <laughs> so it's pretty it's presumptuous to say oh yeah, all you gotta do is beat Montreal five times and go ten and three down the stretch do through that's easier said than done. But if there was ever a situation in which you could do it, this is the situation.
4: Now a show that's going to
5: give you the truth about the biggest epidemic of our times. We're all a little crazy.
2: We're all a little crazy is brought to you by the Same Here
4: Global Mental Health Movement and the Hockey Podcast Network. This is NHL great mental health advocate and member of the Same Here Alliance, Theo Fleury. This is
5: 20-year professional sports executive, mental health advocate, and founder of the hashtag Same Here Global Mental Health Movement, Eric Huson
2: This is Darren Ravel, sports business insider, mental health advocate, and founder of the Same Here Influencer Alliance.
4: We're so afraid as a society to rip the Band-Aid off the topic in a real way. Anytime you open up about something that's controversial or taboo, the first one through the wall always gets bloodied.
5: And That's why we're doing this. We don't mind being the ones getting bloodied. We put our stories out there well before it was a thing to do for a reason. Because as much as they're extreme examples of how far you can fall, they show everyone the challenging life experiences impact everyone. Even those of us who have reached the top of our competitive industries.
2: The issue in media today, traditional media and social media, we are so quick to look for simple answers, simple explanations. We want everything wrapped in a bow. But this topic is messy. The nuances need to be explained.
4: Yeah, it needs real long-form conversation like this. I'm just thrilled that we can be real with
5: people and address the current events happening in this space in real time and set the record straight. More talk happening doesn't mean it's helping the conversation move forward. The words we use matter.
4: We have the greatest mental health awareness in the history of our planet, and yet the mental health trends and outcomes are awful. It means the current messages aren't working. Find me a person who hasn't
2: faced trauma in their lives. Anyone. You can. Things have affected all of us. It's why we all say we are all a little crazy in our own unique ways.
4: This topic isn't for one in five of us with mental illness. It's for five in five whose mental health has been impacted. This isn't an athlete issue. It's not a musician issue. It's a societal one. This is the greatest epidemic of our time.
5: No, it's not about stopping any stigma. It's about us all saying same here. Our openness and the commonality in our struggles, that's what erodes stigma better and faster than any campaign telling people to stop anything ever will.
2: Available on all podcast apps. Do us a favor and download each episode before you listen. And if you're an Apple user, please rate and review the podcast as it helps us get these important conversations out to reach a larger audience.